Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Of course, Paul writing to the church in Rome, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Have a Father. The Spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know, there's no doubt about this, that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And I'm so thankful for until now. I want to speak this morning for just a few moments in your hearing this subject, the pain breaker. The pain breaker. Would you bow your heads? Lord, we're thankful to be in your house. What a privilege it is to one more time come into your presence to exalt you and to thank you, to worship you, to declare the name of Jesus without fear or favor. We ask you, Lord, that once again, as we come into your presence, that our hearts and minds would be open to your word, and that the word would be like seed and go forth and fall on good ground. Let it take root in our heart and spirit and let it change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated and thank you for standing. I was talking to a, a friend of mine recently that is a prosecutor and does a lot of community work. He's a very effective trial lawyer and... He has put a number of people away, not just um, away, away, but also away. Better explain that. Number of people on death row, the result of his prosecution, and even more than that, behind bars for life. He was telling me how that uh, he doesn't get any satisfaction because those crimes have already been committed. And of course, that's the way our system works. There are consequences to our actions. But he said, I enjoy going around and speaking at schools and communities and trying to reach sometimes many of them young people before they commit crimes that seal their destiny to a life of incarceration. He said, these kids will say something like, I'm going to bust a cap in Pookie and I don't care about you or your prosecution. You can put me in prison if you want to, but my uncle is there and my dad is there and my mama's boyfriend is there and it'll be like a family reunion. So what do you think about that, Mr. Prosecutor Man? And he says, I'll say to this kid, you know, after you bust a cap in Pookie, what's going to happen? What do you mean what's going to happen? Well, what are the police going to do? I don't care know what the police do. Well, they're going to have to tell Pookie's mom about this, aren't they? Yes, yeah, so what? Well, what's Pookie's mom going to do? I don't know. 
Well, she's going to be crying and she's going to be screaming because she's never going to see her son again. Well, Pookie had it coming. He tried to hit on my girlfriend. Well, after his mother can catch her breath and try to gather her thoughts, she's going to have to contact the funeral home. Yeah, so what? So after the funeral home comes out, what are they going to do? I don't know what the funeral home does. Well, they're going to have to try to take the body and they're going to have to try to clean it up for the funeral. Yeah. So... Well, then the mother's going to have to call all the relatives. She's going to have to call the brothers and the sisters and the aunts and the grandmother that raised him. I I didn't think about all that. Well, she's going to have to tell them about when the funeral is and they want to come. And some of them can't come. They can't get off work. Yeah. They may be up all night crying. They never got a chance to say goodbye to Pookie. His bicycle's still sitting in the garage of his grandmother's house and she's hanging over it weeping because she never got to say goodbye to Pookie. Yeah, he does have a bicycle. And I remember his grandmother used to make us pancakes on Saturday morning. This is a real conversation my buddy had with a guy. Are you going to do that to her? No, man, I'm just talking. Well... You really ought not to talk like that because if Pookie comes up missing, we're going to come looking for you. What you looking for me for? Were you the one that said you're going to bust a cap at Pookie? Pookie, my best friend. I never heard him. (laughs) He said, I have to walk them down the path, David, of what happens in every homicide because none of them ever think about the consequences of their actions. Before I go into this a little bit further, I want to say how much I appreciate our prison ministry. Last night, Brother Jeff Blackman and Brother Jerry Scott and their team went over to the prison in Orlando. And some 80 men on their own accord came to the service. And one of them got baptized in the wonderful Holy Ghost power of Jesus. Two of them are scheduled to be baptized in Jesus' name. And they are bringing the gospel to that prison. Oh, I'm so thankful that it's the love of God that breaks every chain of pain, every chain of despair, every hurt, every crisis. There is only one God, and His name is Jesus, and He alone makes the difference. I said to my friend, the attorney, I said, Tony, let me ask you a question. In all of your years of experience, have you found that it's true that hurting people hurt others? He said, absolutely. He said, there's no doubt about it. And then he said something that I'll never forget. He said, it's all based in fear. They fear that they will get hurt again, so they hurt others before they get hurt again. He said, our fears become self-fulfilling because we prepare for the imaginary rejection. Hurting people hurt others because they anticipate rejection. And I thought about these scriptures where Paul says, we've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. And then he goes through these verses and it ends up with the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Until now. Until when? Until we get a revelation that we are a child of God. That we are a son of God. 
I'm so glad for a God that can change our identity. He doesn't define us by our past. He doesn't define us by our mistakes. He doesn't define us about other, others and how they have abused you or not abused you. There is a God, hallelujah, that adopts you and says he is our father. Now, they do not think all of this through. It's just part of an involuntary action and reaction that takes place in humanity. So we learn that pain is a chain of hurt and fear. It's a chain that must be broken. And many times an unconditional loving relationship can mitigate and marginalize the cycle but ultimately the chain is only broken when love is returned because that love has to be a two-way street the love of our savior is what starts a chain break but it is broken when we return that love to our lord and savior jesus christ that's why it's important to realize that salvation begins with a belief process you gotta believe that he loves you because if you don't believe that he loves you you're never gonna love him and that's where the enemy comes in and tries to feed you and me a lie jesus had never loved you you've done too much stuff You've hurt too many people. You've made too many mistakes. He'd never love you. Who do you think you are? Why would the God of all of creation, the one who sits upon the circle of the earth, that heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool, why would he love you? You know what you need to tell the devil? I don't know. But I know he does. <laughs> I can't explain it to you. I don't know why Jesus loved me. So glad that he did. He doesn't mean all my troubles have gone away. He doesn't mean that we don't still deal with pain. But it means we've got a God that's never going to leave us nor forsake us. Jesus. I'm not sure what all Peter went through when he was a young man because the Bible doesn't give us detail. But when he became a follower of Jesus, a process begins that does not go away overnight. Peter is a hardened fisherman that's a warrior. But he's also a man of fears and overreactions. He's a flawed man like the rest of us. I'm thankful that the Lord does not disqualify us based on our flaws. In addition, the Lord works with pain that's a part of our life. And he alone becomes this pain breaker. We project our intentions on others. And we figure if it's something we would do, then we assume others will do it also. So when we first feel the love of Jesus, we find it too hard to believe it because it almost seems too good to be true. Somebody invites us to church. Maybe this is your first time today. And you come in here, you can't help but deny that you feel the presence of God. You almost feel guilty feeling the presence of God. Because the devil's in the business of always reminding you of all of your junk. All of your hurt and all of your pain. And all the things that you've done trying to compensate and deal with the pain. But you can't deny that the Lord of glory just wraps his arms of love around you. 
whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know what that means? That means Daddy. It's not just a position. It's a relationship. We figured the Lord's got some ulterior motive or that we just got caught up in some sort of a false feeling of emotion. But over time, you can't deny the love of Christ. Because when others turn and walk away, Jesus doesn't get further from you. He comes closer. That's what happened with Peter. He loved Jesus down deep. There's no doubt about it. But he's just waiting for that rejection to happen. He's just waiting for that other boot to drop. It wasn't easy for Peter to forgive other people. It was hard for Peter to forgive and forget. You ever heard people say, well, I'll forgive you, but I ain't going to forget it. You ever heard people say that? <laughs> Peter struggled with the same thing. So you're in good company. Peter said, Lord, how many times we got to forgive? He was struggling with somebody. How many times we got to forgive people? He had just about got to the end of his rope with all this forgiveness business. Now they're just walking along somewhere and the Lord says, hey, what do you think? Peter, Lord, how often are we to forgive? Seven times? Is there a statute of limitations to all of this? I think he thought he picked a real high number trying to make a point. I think he thought the Lord would say seven, one or two maybe, Peter. Peter was being real spiritual even with this question seven times and the Lord looked over at Peter and said 70 times 7 we've been on this heat too long we better get the Lord under some cover somebody bring some palm branches over here pulling out their little agabus you know they didn't have calculators back there going through it all moving dials around how many is 70 times seven peter struggled with that number he started feeling the rebuke of christ as the crucifixion became closer it started with the last supper with peter in an effort to proclaim his undying love to jesus said lord i can't have you wash my feet you're my lord you're my master you're my savior and the lord said peter if i can't wash your feet you can't have any part of the kingdom and then peter says well then wash my feet and wash my hands and wash my head and wash me all over peter was trying to say don't leave me lord i don't want to be on the outside Then it hits like a dagger. The Lord says, Peter, or the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. No, I would never do that. That's my greatest fear. Tries to put it in the back of his mind, but touched a part of Peter that awakens this underlying fear that Christ would eventually somewhere somehow reject him when the temple guard comes to get jesus in the garden of gethsemane peter reacts out of fear he's still fighting this internal battle and usually internal battles become outward battles and so he pulls out his sword and takes a swipe at somebody whoever's the closest cut off the high priest servant's ear i think he was swinging for his neck 
And the ear just severed right off his head, falls on the ground, just a big bloody hole. Peter's like, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down swinging. Who's next? The Lord rebukes him again. Picks up the little bloody ear and pops it back on the guy's head like Mr. Potato Head Man. (laughs) Peter, put away your sword! Now Peter is rebuked again. Can't seem to figure out the rhythm, the stream to get into. He's trying to show God that he believes in him. It seems like nothing he does is the right thing. Some of the others had already started drifting away after they rejected Jesus. Not Peter. He's still there. They bring the Lord down to Caiaphas, the high priest's house, where they got a dungeon and they hold him down there. And I've been there where they whipped him and where they put him down in the hole. And, and all night long, they tried to get him to talk and make fun of him. Finally, they said, we got to go to Pilate, the governor of Rome. we got to get permission from him before we can do an execution. But all night long, he's in that house. But outside in the outer court, there's a little fire and people are coming around. And that's kind of like where the courthouse is. And so people start to gossip, talk about what's happening. And people say, did you hear about Jesus? That guy, you remember, he's the one that's been challenging the Sanhedrin and the high priest and the temple. And but remember, they said he's a good man. He does marry Well, they've got him in Caiaphas' house. They got him down there in the dungeon. And they're going to be bringing now all the rumors are going around and they got a fire and they're warming their fire and all of a sudden Peter's there in the midst of them. You know, I can see him. He's, he's kind of got his hood up over his head and he's just trying to listen and, and one of them said, Hey, hey, aren't you one of his followers? Well, oh, not Pookie. Not me. They say, Oh, okay, sorry. I, just, I thought I'd seen you with Jesus. He moves on around the other side of the fire. And after a while, some more people come around. And, hey, aren't you the guy that's always with Jesus? I don't know what's the matter with people. I don't know why I'm tra- just trying to get warm in the fire. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know Jesus. And Three times he denies that he even knows the Lord. And after the third time, that was not a bad rooster, was it? must have been the anointing on that one never done that before <laughs> Jesus comes out under heavy guard moving him across that courtroom he looks at Peter Peter looks at him they make eye contact drops his head in shame the Lord walks away I would do this. I can't believe it. I don't know what Peter does after that. He tries to stay close to the Lord, but those fears just come bubbling back up again. Now the shame. Now the pain. Now the hurt, knowing that he denied the Lord. He now goes into survival mode. He's not sure what to do. So finally, he just says, I go a fishing. I'm tired of all this. All this confusion and uncertainty. And I've tried my best. I'm doing everything I know to do. Okay, so he's right. Okay, I denied him. What am I supposed to do? I believed in him. Now 
he's on the cross. Now he's dying and making fun of me. I go fishing. I'm going back to my old life. I knew this was too good to be true. I don't know why I ever thought Jesus would be any different. The resurrection reveals a risen Savior. The ladies that come with Mary are coming to bring sweet spices to the tomb. And one of the first things that Jesus says is, where's Peter? Tell Peter, I'm risen. Jesus is still showing love. Even though Peter's having to face his own fears. Aren't you glad the Lord keeps reaching for you? Even when you're ashamed to come into his presence. The Lord says, I'm not done with you yet, Peter. Satan tried to come and sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. You don't know how many times Satan has tried to come and taken you and your family and your marriage and your home and your children, but the God of glory has prayed for you. feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I've come to tell you about a God that can break every chain of fear and pain and hurt. Finally, when Jesus appears them, they're fishing, and Peter sees he comes and walks in the water. You know the whole story. And finally, they get him to the shore and all that goes on with the fish. And now they got another fireside chat. Only Jesus is in this conversation. Could it be that sometimes we make mistakes because we don't keep Jesus in the conversation? We got a fireside chat with all of our buddies and friends, but Jesus is not there. Go make great life decisions. You better keep him part of the equation. The Lord asked Peter a pivotal question. Peter... Lovest thou me more than these? Lord, yes, you know I do. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Yes, you know, Lord. The third time, Peter. Someone said he asked him three times to cover the three times he denied him. I don't know if that's true or not. I think the Lord just wanted to establish it. But after the third time, Peter... Lovest thou me more than these? Lord, you know that I do. And the Lord says, feed my sheep. Ladies and gentlemen, this was Jesus breaking the curse. Peter, if you feed my sheep, if you start loving others, if you start reaching out to other people, if you start meeting the needs of others, not focusing on your own fears, your own spirit will heal because your perspective changes, your heart changes, your spirit changes. He's done so much for me. I don't have a moment in life that I want to spend complaining. I want to tell everybody I know Jesus is good. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the life. He's done so much for me.
The ministry of Peter now changes at this point. He's willing to go to the home of Cornelius, a Gentile, a Roman centurion. He's open to going down to Samaria where Philip's having a great revival. He's drawn from a confidence in his relationship with Jesus. The pain breaker has given him direction beyond his own fears. And ultimately, the pain is broken because Peter returns love, not just to Jesus, but to others. So he don't worry about it all. He's not afraid of the Sanhedrin. He's not afraid of what the high priest thinks and all of his temple guard. How's come this man's healed? You're going to have to ask him. He's above 40 years old. All I can do is tell you that Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ can break every chain of hurt and pain and sickness and depression and despondency. Jesus Christ. Is the pain breaker. Good God Almighty. We're going to put you in chains, Peter, and put you in the inner prison. But at nighttime, an angel comes. Get up, Peter. Chains are dropping off. They pass through the first ward. Doors open up on their own like you're going to Walmart. Second ward, doors opening up on their own, chains falling off. Peter not even worried about it. He knows the Lord's already broke the internal chains. When he breaks the internal chains, the outward chains are going to fall also. You and I respond to what we see on the outside of a person, but you don't know what's going on on the inside. There's a pain breaker that's destroying some chains. Peter goes through all the prison, gets out on the street. And the angel says, adios. I guess the angels are Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Disappears. Peter goes looking for the church. They're having a prayer meeting, praying for Peter to be delivered. Peter's down there knocking on the door, trying to get into the prayer meeting. Hello? The damsel comes to the door. Oh my God. That looks like Peter. Ah, She thought she saw a ghost. Runs back into the crowd. They're all praying. The mother says, who is that? You don't want to know. Oh, Jesus delivered Peter. Jesus delivered Peter. Peter's out there knocking on the door. Peter can get out of prison easier than he can get into the prayer meeting. Sometimes it's easier to get out of sin than it is to get into church. Oh God, deliver my son. Oh God, deliver my son. Oh God, deliver. He's at the door knocking. All he needs is somebody to believe that anything is possible with God. He's already breaking the chain. He's already sent the angel. Good God, we got to take a moment right now and praise him. You ought to lift up your voice and clap your hands unto God. Oh, I feel some chains breaking. 
Jesus. 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 Stand to our feet. I feel the Holy Ghost sweeping into this place right now. I don't know what change you've got, but I got a God that is in this house today to break some chains. I was preaching a revival in Gadsden, Alabama. The man who was the fourth highest ranking member of the Ku Klux Klan in the state of Alabama got the Holy Ghost on the last night of the revival. He had such an experience that they had him testify afterward. He shared a little bit of his testimony. I'll never forget these words that he said. My life up to this point has been based in pain and hate. But from now on, my life is going to be defined by joy and love. Never heard anything about this guy. Never heard from him for almost 30 years. Till recently, pastor of that church by the name of Stan Davison. His daughter married a friend of mine who's in the youth department of the United Pentecostal Church. And the other day we were in a department meeting together and I asked about this man. I said, you know, I preached a revival in your father-in-law's church years ago 
on the last night, a man that was a high-ranking officer in the Ku Klux Klan got the Holy Ghost. His face just lit up with a smile. He said, I know who you're talking about. He said, we were only small children when he was saved, but he said, you know, he's still in church. He said, he's become one of the greatest soul winners. He's won over 100 people to the Lord in North Alabama. something that you can just take somebody else's word for you got to know him for yourself they brought the woman caught in adultery the very act of adultery to the feet of Jesus that we've caught her in the very act what are you going to do about it Jesus the lady's there on the ground with her head covered up waiting for the stones to come smashing into her body been hurt so many times by so many people she'd already had an emotional stoning and now this would be a physical stoning she anticipated it but as they all dropped their stones and walked away the Lord says something very interesting to this lady woman where are thine accusers hath no man condemned thee she says no man the Lord simply says neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more the question that I had as I read that portion of scripture is Why did the Lord ask her where her accusers were? The Lord's forgiveness of us is not based on the forgiveness by other people. Why did the Lord ask her, where are thine accusers? They're all gone. Neither do I condemn thee. Was he predicating his forgiveness of her based on the fact that there were no other witnesses there to condemn her? Not on your life. Because the whole world can condemn you, but Jesus Christ alone. So the question remains, why did he ask her this? Here's what I think. I think even before he said, I forgive you, he wanted to make a point. one here is left that can hurt you her issue with the pain of sin was broken her hurt was in the past Jesus was going to forgive her but even before we get there I want you to know this ma'am there's nobody left you don't have to live in fear anymore your soul but I can heal the relationships I can heal the hurt 
There's nobody out there that can hurt you. They're all gone. And my question to you today, my friend, is what about you? What pain are you carrying? What hurt have you been hauling around? For years, maybe. There's one named Jesus who stands before you and he has come to break the chain of shame, chain of pain, the chain of fear. All he wants to know is, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want to give you an invitation right now. Step out to where you're standing. Walk down that aisle and come down here to the front of this building. And by doing this, you are saying, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm going to include you in the conversation today. I've talked about this with others. I've talked about it with friends, spouses. But today, oh God, I'm coming to you. I want to have one more conversation. I want you to be a part of it, God. Why don't you come right now? It doesn't matter what you may be facing. doesn't matter what's happened this week. Nothing's going to disqualify you from the presence of God. Come on, you've tried to free yourself from it. But it's just a cycle of destruction. Can you trust Him enough today? Say, I'm going to bring it all to you today, Lord. I'm going to take it to the altar. Come on, that's it. They're coming from all over the building. Come on, nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be ashamed of. Here I come, God. Here I come, Lord. I'm coming to you. When you get down to this altar, I want you to lift your hands right now. I want you to say this, God. I don't understand everything. But I just come to tell you I love you, Lord. And I thank you, God. I don't have all the answers, God. But I can't deny your power. I can't deny your presence. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. 